Over the first few years of this decade, Alliance Trust went through a turbulent period of change after coming under pressure from activist investor Elliott Advisors. These changes included an overhaul of its board, a greater investment focus on equities, and a drive to reduce costs. But things have been calmer at the Trust since 2017 when, following shareholder approval, Alliance Trust changed its structure to a multi-manager approach. This is where Fund's manager outsources the selection of its investments to external managers rather than investing directly in assets themselves. The team which picks the external managers that run Alliance Trust investments works at investment consultancy Willis Tower Swatson and is headed by today's guest Craig Baker, Chief Investment Officer of Willis Tower Swatson. Craig, you aim for Alliance Trust to outperform MCI All Country World Index by a minimum of 2% a year over rolling three-year periods. How are you doing against this benchmark so far? And in April next year, when it'll be three years since you started running Alliance Trust, do you expect to meet this target? Yes. So as you alluded to, we've been running it for about two and a half years now. And in that first two and a half years, we've outperformed the benchmark, but by a relatively small amount, 20, 30 basis points per annum since inception. So it hasn't achieved its long-term goal of 2% per annum. And that long-term goal was set bearing in mind what we'd achieved on this same approach in our institutional clients for 10 plus years. And it is still us our belief of what uh, we're confident we can achieve over the long term. However, there'll be periods where we expect to do far better than that and periods where we expect to um, do less well than that. And the last couple of years has been a period exactly like that where active management generally has struggled. So whilst we've only outperformed the benchmark by uh, a, a relatively small margin, we've actually done well relative to the peer group over that period. What has detracted from Alliance Trust performance since you've been running it? So it's really been this idea that the market has been driven by a relatively um, narrow set of stocks, real momentum-driven stocks, particularly in the US uh, and and also sectorially uh, in the technology sector. And so uh, if you actually look at the last two calendar years, 2018 and 2019 uh, so far, you've had an unusual situation where the median stock that makes up the index has actually underperformed the index quite significantly. So most stocks have underperformed. It's just a very small number uh, of large companies have continued to outperform quite significantly. And that's a tough period generally for for bottom-up stock-picking managers. And that's why you've seen uh, a number of active managers struggle in such a scenario. You mentioned in the Trust's interim report that during the first half of 2019, being underweight for US relative to your benchmark was detrimental to performance. So why do you believe, um, you know, being underweight for US is the right position? And do you expect to maintain your US underweight? Yes. Yeah, so the way that the um, uh, we manage the, the trust is that we allow the bottom up stock pickers to go anywhere in the world and they they pick their stocks almost absent a worry about what they look like relative to the benchmark. And then we worry about risk in how we put the managers together. Now, over the last uh, year or so, the managers have, on average, been finding more attractive opportunities outside the US relative to the amount in the benchmark. And so we've allowed the underweight position to run because that's generally been the view of the the bottom-up stock pickers. But we've risk-managed that so that it hasn't been a large underweight position by the amount we give to each of the managers. 
And so, yes, it's been a detractor, but we've ensured that stock selection is what's driving the, the returns in any, in any period. So it's not our view on being underweight US. Mm. It is that of the underlying managers, but we've risk managed that so that it hasn't dominated. US markets have hit record highs again recently, but there's quite a few uncertainties on the horizon. I mean, do you think being a little underweight for US might actually be helpful in the near future? Yes, absolutely. I mean, our, as it happens, our our view from a top-down perspective would be that the US looks relatively uh, expensive compared to the rest of the world, although we wouldn't have a strong view on that position. So a relatively modest, underweight US position that we've ended up with from bottom-up perspective is something we're perfectly comfortable with. Okay. Now, you mentioned your um, underlying managers are overweight in other areas? I mean, what would be examples of areas of overweight and, and, and why? In particular, the managers would be overweight, um, the UK and Europe relative to the US. But again, I would stress these are not big positions. Um, so uh, the benchmark in um, US equities is around 55% and we're about 5% underweight. Uh, that So it's still 50% of the portfolio in the US. And we're slightly overweight the UK, slightly overweight Europe. But the, the decisions as to which companies they're picking within each of those will completely dominate the performance rather than uh, those relative positions. But inevitably, people are finding uh, bargains in the UK and Europe uh, with some of the political uncertainty that's going on in those markets. That's a natural uh, bottom-up stock pickers um, uh, fishing pond, essentially. Okay. I mean, on the subject of value, um, if I'm correct, five of nine managers who run the trust investments take a, a sort of value approach, which mostly hasn't done as well as growth style investing over the past decade. Um, has this focus on value managers been detrimental to Alliance Trust returns over the past couple of years? Yeah, well, there's a few things in that. So the, the first point I'd make is that a, a lot of managers will uh, call themselves uh, a value mm. manager um, because, you know, ultimately um, what good manager wouldn't take notice of valuation. I think what's more important is whether you've got managers that are looking um, at different types of companies and looking at the world differently. And so, for example, um, you can have uh, managers that are value but start with a quality or growth universe and you can have other managers that fish more in the um, uh, the pool of uh, companies that everyone would consider to be uh, the more traditional value asset heavy industries. We've got a complete mix across that. So within the managers that you might term value, some have outperformed, some have significantly underperformed. What it really shows is that you need quite a lot more diversification than people think. And I think it's often easy to say, well, I'll pick a value manager and a growth manager and I've got a nice diversification. As rarely the case, you can have multiple multiple managers that think in valuation terms, multiple managers that think more in growth terms. And you, that's the only way you can get diversification. So when we look at the overall portfolio, we do that from a bottom up, looking at the underlying stocks that are in it. And we ensure that there isn't really much of a bias towards value or growth. That said, just naturally, because the market's been led, as I said, by a small number of momentum stocks um, that are very large in the US, particularly in the technology sector, but not only in that space, um, a lot of managers, whether they're traditionally called value managers or growth managers, have avoided some of those stocks because they've started to look quite expensive. And so naturally, that might look as though you've got a bit of a valuation bias, but it's less the value 
tilt that's done that. It's more the fact that the uh, market's been led by a small number of companies. Bearing this in mind, you know, do you think that value investing will make a comeback in the near future? Well, it's certainly, uh, if you look at the traditional definitions of value, it's had an incredibly tough time for quite a long period. What's interesting is that last month, September, mm. was um, the first month in quite a while where value did very well. Um, so it'd be interesting to see whether that is a bit of a turn in the market. But certainly a number of our value managers in this portfolio are able to talk to companies that have actually grown their earnings ahead of what they expected, but multiples have compressed um, just because the market hasn't liked that area of the market. And so when we're looking at value managers that have underperformed, for example, we're actually trying to test how much of that underperformance has come from them calling the fundamentals wrong in the companies. In other words, they predicted more earnings growth than actually turned out to be the case, and how much of it came from multiple compression uh, in the market. And if it's mostly the latter, which it actually has been with our managers, then you're a lot more comfortable um, that that's likely to be something that will reverse. If it's more the former, then you start to question if there's a number of those instances, whether the skill in the manager exists. But we're confident uh, that the managers we've got have actually generally called the fundamentals of their companies the right way and actually they're just looking more and more attractive based on current valuations than was the case. But it's important again to notice that we have in this portfolio a number of managers that have outperformed significantly because they've got much more of a a growth orientation and have done very, very well in the uh, recent times. Now you recently added a ninth manager, uh, Vulcan, who um, also invests via value style. Do you expect to add any more new managers in the near future? On Vulcan, the reason they came in, that they're actually, yes, they would um, term themselves as value, but they, they start in the quality universe. So they're very different from a number of other uh, value managers that, that you might see. The kind of stocks that they would start looking at uh, are very different. We added them because we just thought it brought an even better balance to the portfolio. We have typically said from outset that we would expect around 10 to 15% per annum turnover of managers. And so if you've got, you know, eight, nine, 10 managers, that means you might be on average changing about one manager a year. Actually, it took two and a half years before we added a manager and we haven't actually taken a manager out. Do I expect that there'll be a bit more change over time? Yes, that 10 to 15% will probably happen. But there's nobody that we're currently saying we're concerned about. And equally, there's not a gap in the portfolio that we're saying we have to fill. Um, but that wouldn't stop us in you know, six, 12 months time saying, actually, we, we do want to add a manager. Mm. Now, Alliance Trust aims for capital growth, but also a rising dividend. So when you are considering managers, to what extent do dividend considerations affect who you choose and what their focus is? Yes. So we we very much focus on this idea that over the long term, we want to continue to grow the dividends, as as you mentioned. And so that's borne in mind in the types of managers um, that we uh, invest with. However, what we haven't done is say we want to 
um, artificially get the yield up for a short period of time by investing with some managers that are very yield focused. We actually haven't believed that would be a, a good investment decision uh, where the markets where a lot of those companies have got quite expensive. But we've always got the ability to do so. But we're very confident that the nature of the portfolio means that we can continue to grow that dividend uh, for a long, long time. And of course, it is worth bearing in mind that there's very large reserves at Alliance Trust such that, you know, inevitably there'll be fluctuations on whether the yields above or below uh, what we want to pay out in dividends. That can be dealt with for a number of years. But long term, very confident that the managers will produce the kind of yield that we need to continue to grow dividends. Like you mentioned, the managers who run the trust portfolio invest in quite different ways to each other, but they're actually all global investors. So why pick a, I suppose, a selection of only global investors rather than perhaps having different managers covering different geographic regions like some other multi-manager funds do, um, perhaps a good example being Witten Investment Trust? Yep. So, um, look, there is, there's never a single right way or wrong way to, uh, to invest and you can add value in multiple ways of doing so. However, we think there is a big advantage in these go anywhere 20 stock portfolios to give complete freedom. We want the managers to think about we want them to think about risk in terms of permanent loss of capital in the companies they're investing in. Think about risk over the long term, not worry about short term risk relative to benchmark or relative to peer group. We can worry about that in how we put the managers together. And so if they're thinking in that mindset, giving them the widest set of freedom possible to think globally, and ultimately a number of companies that are listed on a particular stock exchange are very global. Um, they literally have just chosen that listing for reasons other than where they're headquartered or where the, where the majority of their earnings are coming from. And so it's somewhat artificial having regional uh, investors uh, in that sense. We think global has a significant advantage. But that said, it's important to note that even within our managers that can all go global, um, a couple of them are much more focused on the US. Which uh, two of those? So Lyrical yeah. um, are very focused mm. on the US and Vulcan at the moment happen to be finding almost all of their ideas in the US. That won't always be the case. Whereas some of the other managers, like a River and Mercantile um, or an FPA, have actually been quite underweight the US and very overweight the UK and Europe, given the opportunities they're finding. So there's quite a mix within that. There is one manager, of course, uh, GQG, that runs two portfolios, mm-hmm. and one of their portfolios is just emerging markets, albeit global, global emerging markets. Global emerging markets, yeah. Okay. Now, I mean, other than this, Alliance Trust actually shares some similarities with Witten Investment Trust, including the fact that it uses some of the same underlying managers, Veritas and GQG, who you just mentioned. So is Alliance Trust offering anything substantially different to Witten? Yeah, I think it's a very different proposition to Witten. I mean, Witten's an excellent investment trust as well. So um, I'll just try and bring out the differences. So firstly, the benchmark's quite different. And so the Alliance Trust benchmark is a truly global benchmark, the MSCI or Country World Index. The um, Witten benchmark is more regional, although they are moving um, more global, I, I believe, um, at the start of next year. But there is a difference in benchmark is the first point. The, the second point is that the portfolios are managed quite differently. 
And so um, we're following this maximum of 20 stocks, highly concentrated approach, which is different. Um, we think um, has the ability to add significant value relative to the more traditional approach in that sense. And so the third piece is costs. So the Alliance Trust total expense ratio is much lower. And then the final piece I would bring out really is the Hermes overlay that we've put in place along the sustainability lines. I'll jump to that. You, earlier this year, appointed Hermes Equities Ownership Services to increase the extent to which Alliance Trust conforms to environmental, social and governance criteria. How exactly will Hermes go about doing this? Yep. So um, what Hermes do for us is that on each of the underlying companies that, that we hold through the nine managers that are in place, Hermes engage on our behalf in terms of ensuring that each of those companies are following best practice across the ESG factors that you alluded to. And they do that on behalf of a, a very large number um, of assets across a number of other large asset owners around the world, typically institutional asset owners. And so they are engaging on our behalf. They also give proposals uh, to our underlying managers on how to vote on the various resolutions uh, that are coming up at each of the uh, companies that they're invested in. Our managers can either just take Hermes recommendations and vote that way on our behalf, or if they think they want to vote differently, they have to um, justify to us why they're voting differently. And sometimes there's good reason. So it might be a very small company, for example, that the manager actually knows better than Hermes. That's less likely to be the case in the large cap space, but is more likely to be the case uh, in the small cap space. And so they, they can vote how they want, but Hermes are uh, ensuring that we're thinking about best practice across um, the uh, E and S and G factors. I suppose they effectively, well, teaching them how to engage. Does Hermes actually assess individual underlying stock picks on in terms of whether you know they should be held or not? And does it have a say in what shares the underlying managers can pick? No. So the the managers have complete freedom to pick uh, the stocks they want to, um, but Hermes will definitely be giving feedback in terms of um, what they think the um, boards are doing. Uh, and the executives are doing at those organisations on all of the best practice factors that I alluded to. And so where um, they're identifying companies that are not best in class, we will be challenging the managers as to why they own them. Now, if those managers have really thought through all of the um, sustainability issues uh, and are still comfortable uh, holding that stock, then they are allowed to. Um, but we can at least have those discussions with them. And that helps us in our assessment of whether they're best in class, each of the managers in thinking through all of these issues. Okay. Now, Alliance Trust um, historically has held what it describes as non-core assets, aka non-equity investments, but it's been disposing of them and expects to completely get rid of all of its uh, non-core assets later this year. Do you think that when it's done this, it'll help overall performance? So the reason um, the board has been doing this is to simplify and go back to its roots as a, a, a mm. global equity fund. That's been the primary reason for doing that. And over the long term, you know, holding a, a well-run global equity portfolio, we think, is going to be exactly 
um, delivering on the long-term goals of the trust. And so, yes, over the very long term, we think that's absolutely the right way to go. Clearly, if we look at the period since we've we took over the trust where there was some of these legacy um, non-core assets. The non-core assets have certainly been a drag uh, over that period. So our equity portfolio that we've been running has outperformed um, the the trust as a whole because of those. The fact that those have gone, obviously, we think is going to be beneficial for the uh, for the future of the trust. Okay. Now, earlier this year, Alliance Trust sold Alliance Trust Savings and raised about 34.5 million, which its board said would be reinvested in the equity portfolio. I presumably that's been done. So is this going to help performance in calendar year 2019? It's obviously happened at the end of the second quarter. So it's been a very short period of time mm. uh, that that's happened. And of course, we we don't know what um, the value of ATS would have been had it um, carried on in the portfolio. But certainly ATS performance was a drag for the trust for a number of years. And so certainly relative to its historic performance, we think it's going to be far more beneficial just being focused as a global equity portfolio. Okay. Now, the trust currently trades at a discount nav of around 6 to 7%, which is much tighter than before you started managing it in 2017, but still wider than the Association of Investment Companies' global sector average discount. Do you hope to further narrow the discount? Yes, so we would hope um, over the long term that that discount would, would, would come in. And certainly, um, you know, the difference in the discount on Alliance Trust and some of its comparable trusts has actually shrunk despite the fact that the discount is out at 6% or so. The discount has widened on a lot of equity investment trusts in recent times and actually has widened a lot more on other trusts than it has on Alliance Trust. And we're confident that if we continue to perform well, um, ultimately the discount will come in and potentially even go to a premium uh, over the course of the next couple of years. Now, we've talked quite a bit about the underlying managers and underlying investments, but um, one of your own team, the investment committee, which chooses the uh, managers run the trust, David Shapiro, has recently retired. Um, Have you added to your investment team to bridge that gap? Yeah, so uh, David, as you say, retired from full-time employment with us, and uh, we've not changed the investment committee. So we, we purposely, when we um, put the investment committee on Alliance Trust in place, there were four of us hmm. on that committee, David, uh, myself, uh, Stuart and Mark. Um, we've left it as the three of us with, with um, David retiring. We'd always done it as four because we knew that if hmm. one person uh, were to leave, we were very comfortable with two or three of us being on that. Uh, in terms of the full investment team, though, it's important to note that the team servicing this is is much, much larger than that. We've got a an equity research team of uh, 40 or so people. We've got uh, a team of portfolio managers behind that as well. So definitely there's been replacement in resources. In fact, our total resources have continued to increase. But in terms of the specific investment committee, we've just carried on running it with three of the four that we had before uh, and don't feel a need to, to change that in the short term. Okay, thank you, Craig. A really helpful update on Alliance Trust Progress and interesting insight into how you select fund managers. That brings us to the end of today's interview, but to listen to or read more interviews of managers of global equities and various other types of funds, see our website at investorschronicle.co.uk. Thank you for listening.